there are, there's so much that I think county level executives could be doing um, to, to stop tyranny at the borders of their county. Hello, everybody. I'm Brandon Lewis, founder of the Tennessee Conservative, and I'm joined today by Gary Umble. Gary is the founder and executive director of Tennessee Stands. Tennessee Stands is a nonprofit advocacy organization that serves to protect the individual liberties of all Tennesseans, as stated in the Tennessee State Constitution and given to us by God. Tennessee Stands is a group of citizens who demand that our governor county executives, and legislature restrict their authority to only that which they are given by the Tennessee Constitution. They do this through education, legal action, and grassroots organization. Gary, welcome to the program, buddy. Glad to yeah. have you here. Yeah, thanks, Ben. It's good to, good to be with you today. Well, so tell us about your organization and how you got started, Gary. Sure. Um, I was working a bit in public policy uh, for the last couple of years here in Tennessee, but um, obviously enter COVID. And as a parent, um, I've got three little boys, uh, my older two are school age. And I would say, I think for so many, whenever this um, sort of season of insanity, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, happened, um, probably was just like many other people, you know, kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. Um, you know, maybe this will all pass. Certainly, this isn't, this isn't going to last very long. And whenever... Um, schools begin to put out their reopening framework for the coming school year, I realized very quickly that the idea that this was just going to go away was not the case. Um, so in, in, out of that, the response was to start Tennessee Stands, and very, very quickly, um, it appeared that many other people were thinking the same thing I was. <laughs> and so um, that grew very, very fast. And since then, um, of course, we've filed three lawsuits uh, now in the state. Uh, we've drafted two bills, uh, one of which is currently sponsored um, for this next legislative session. And, um, and then we're doing events across the state, just educating folks and trying to build a coalition of, of like-minded people um, willing to stand up for a constitutional form of government. And here we are. Well, I'm wholeheartedly behind your effort. Uh, talk about, you know, the erosion of personal, religious, and economic liberties. Many feel right now uh, that they have zero representation in the legislative branch. I mean, that's what I feel like. I'm like, here I am. I've voted for county commissioners. I've voted for city council people. I've voted for uh, state legislators at the state and the, uh, the Senate and the state representative level, but there's like three dudes right? Maybe two dudes in a health department and everyone is having to bow and scrape to whatever whims, however arbitrary or illogical they happen to be. So what has happened to the legislature? Because to me, I mean, if I'm a state senator or a state representative, the governor has essentially neutered me uh, regarding all of this. And I've laid down on the table for it. Talk to me about why they've allowed their their authority as a separate branch of government to completely be usurped, and do any of them have a plan for doing anything about it? That's a great question and a, and a, and a difficult one to give a real succinct answer to. I, I will say that's one of the hardest things to reconcile um, about this entire thing. 
if if people have been following Tennessee stands, they probably know by now that I'm I'm no fan of Governor Bill Lee, um, and because of how he's he's responded during this crisis, and he's used a state statute um, to to exceed his constitutional authority, when in fact by the oath that he swore as governor, um, he is is the chief person responsible to defend the constitution and defend the liberty of the people of Tennessee. And he's done the complete opposite. So of course, naturally we, we look for a check somewhere. And the first place to go is we look to our legislature. Well, as much as I've been critical of the governor, I have to be just as critical of our legislature because the fact of the matter is whenever COVID and, and our emergency status happened in March of last year, and of course, the General Assembly recessed. Well, they came back into session on June 1st, and that wasn't a special session. That was full session. And of course, their only constitutional obligation at that point was to pass a budget. So they had, you know, which I believe has to be done by the end of June. So they, they had 30 days to do something. And of course, they've been sitting home since March, seeing all of this go down, yet when they came back into session, they did absolutely nothing to deal with this extraordinary power that the governor has now claimed that he has. Um, and even beyond that, once they, re once they adjourned, you know, General Assembly can call themselves into session with a two-thirds majority vote um, in, in and of themselves. Um, well, they had the opportunity to do that throughout the year, and obviously they, they didn't. So it's clear... The General Assembly had no intention and made no, no moves whatsoever to check that power. As to the why, man, I don't know. Um, you make a great point. The fact that, as you stated, the governor has neutered their ability to operate constitutionally yeah. as a legislature. And I, I still can't figure out why you would let that lie. The only thing I can think is in the political world that we live in, you have a supermajority GOP legislature that is refusing to repudiate their, their Christian conservative Republican governor. Um, I, I can't give you another why uh, other than that very political posture to answer. Well, it, it seems to me because I was here in the state in 2000 and I moved here in 2002 that when you don't have anyone to fight against, and you don't have to defend your conservative ideas, after a while, it, it's pretty easy to lose them. And when you have a supermajority, when you have, when you control all branches of government, I mean, you just get lazy. You get ideologically lazy. And people can get elected that aren't very conservative because they don't really have to compete in the primary. And uh, then when, when push comes to shove, there's, there, there's just not a lot of action in the primaries. There's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of close seats. There's a lot of gerrymandered seats which I'm thankful for in some, so many respects and not thankful for in others. And then finally, I think a lot of these people, they don't want to take a stand and they don't want to be seen on any side of any issue. And that way they can always, if it goes great, they can point to the governor. If it goes bad, they can point to the governor and they don't have to, to bear any weight with their constituencies for their decision-making, which is not why people get sent to the Capitol. Yeah. Get sent to represent, not just when it's easy, not just when it's popular, but when it's difficult. And a lot of these people have, have abdicated that responsibility, in my opinion. I mean, I, I could not imagine thousands and thousands of my neighbors sending me to, to Nashville and to be silent on this issue. 
uh, but many people and that's have. Very, and that's very true. It's not just the lack of action from the legislature. It, it's, it's the lack that you see in elected representatives at large, uh, even at the county level, that, that I know for a fact agree with you and I on this issue, but won't stand up you know, won't stand up and represent their constituents. There are, there's so much that I think county level executives could be doing um, to, to stop tyranny at the borders of their county. Uh, they simply won't do it. They won't go against the green. I mean, honestly, if I look across the state, I, I can think of one that I've sort of seen do that. You know, Mayor Andy Ogles out mm -hmm. in Murray County has, has been very vocal about the fact that, look, governors might be a great guy he just doesn't have the authority to give me a duty uh to issue a mask mandate in my county yeah. and he's been very vocal and clear about that I, I wish others would would be willing to make that same sort of a stand we'll talk quickly about the legislative initiatives because we, we got a lot more to cover and i don't want to uh, shortchange people so yeah. what what the one that actually has some traction specifically Talk about that one. I believe I may be interviewing that gentleman uh, next week if it's the, the same bill that I'm thinking of. Yeah, so right now that's uh, House Bill, I believe House Bill 10 and Senate Bill 7 that's run by Senator Mark Pody and Representative Jay Reedy. And that bill is to secure our religious exemptions to vaccines. Many t Tennesseans will be very shocked to learn that in current Tennessee law, your religious exemptions that we currently have to vaccines in our schools, um, exemptions that we can claim for our children as parents, um, and exemptions that we can claim as an employee uh, when it comes to vaccines, though all of those religious exemptions go away. The slate is wiped clean in the case of an epidemic or the immediate threat of an epidemic, which right now, currently, uh, that would be the case by our emergency power statute. So... Um, those exemption, exemptions currently don't exist in our state. Um, so that what the bill does is it, it simply strikes that exception language where those religious exemptions exist all the time, always, no matter, no matter what's happening. There's, it, it's similar to the fact that right now, COVID, we've used COVID as an excuse to nullify the Constitution. <laughs> well, right. in, in the same case, we're saying that you know, COVID is not an excuse to nullify a religious exemption uh, that is granted to us by state law. So the bill's the bill's fairly simple, and that that's what it does. What about the one that that's in play? Um, I recently saw some coverage on. We actually did a did an article on it about um, limiting the executive powers of the governor. Is that, is that actually sponsored? Or are we going to see a vote on that? I don't believe it, it is sponsored yet because they haven't quite figured out what they're going to do. I will tell you, I think many Tennesseans will be very disenfranchised um, into what they see come out of that. I, I, we had a joint committee, uh, a, a series of three ad hoc meetings, which were, uh, I think they started back in August. And uh, the intent was to determine what the legislature was going to do. Well, at the end of that committee, we found uh, that their suggestions were almost nothing. Uh, the, 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 the best suggestion was on the House side, they, they suggested that the emergencies should be limited to no more than uh, 60 days and that any renewal of an emergency would require legislative action. Why, yeah, why would you not want that? Period. Totally. 
Absolutely. I mean, that should be that should be in that should be in <laughs> the no brainer. I mean, that is that is a no brainer. That's not should not be controversial, should not be. I mean, that should because at some point, what if we turn blue in the governor's mansion like what's happened down in Georgia? You never know what's going to happen. And those checks and balances are so critically important. I can't see why any person who takes the time, energy and effort to go up to Nashville would not want to have to, to know because the, the level of threshold, in my opinion, for a pandemic is pretty damn low because my wife and I had it here recently. It's uncomfortable. We had it through the Christmas holidays. We quarantined. It makes you tired. We had various different symptoms. It was not as, it was nowhere near as close to as um, devastating as the flu. And I've had the flu, a bad case of it before, and I knew I had it. This, I almost had to wonder if I had it until I had a couple of rough days. And um, it, it's not the end of the world. It's not something that I need to be vaccinated for. I've got some kind of immunity of it now. And even if I didn't, I probably wouldn't. So they really, I, I think the legislator, legislators uh, need to step up and, and, yeah. and plant their flag. Because is, is, it's getting to where now that the legislature is, is darn near meaningless in many states and even in our nation because they don't legislate. Right. And and I think uh, the other the other issue too with what's been suggested so far is while they while they talked about putting a limit on the governor's ability to renew the emergency, uh, there were no suggestions made from that committee to address the constitutional issues of still, you know, it's it's one thing to limit the governor to sixty days, but they didn't address what he can do in those 60 days. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's is fine. It limitless? I mean, what you think you would have limits on that. Right. But there's still no limits. So he can still make law. He can still delegate authority as he deems prudent around the state. So, so none of that's been addressed. And that's, that's the main thing I have a problem with is that you're just, you're not, a, you're kicking the can down the road. You're, 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 you're looking like you're doing something and not really doing anything. It reminds me of most of the uh, of the COVID steps we're taking right now. You're looking like you're doing something, but you're not really doing anything, which segues me into this. If, if you like what we're doing here at the Tennessee Conservative, and if you'd like to support us, if you would, please go to tennesseeconservative.com slash support or go to our homepage, click the red button. When you do, you will get two of these handy dandy Tennessee Conservative bumper stickers, which you cannot live without. If you drive an old junker, you can use this to hold the bumper on of your car. And if you drive a nice car, it's black. You'll, you'll barely be able to see it. Put it on the windshield it'll blend right in with the tent um you know because all the republicans are out there driving lexuses and mercedes i'm sure you have a nice tent on your windows uh at any rate so if you'd like to give to us we'd appreciate it uh because your neighbor won't do it um a lot of people probably woke up this morning in georgia thinking that their neighbors would do something and they did and so conservatives really have to get out and take action give money give time to organizations and causes that matter so back to the program here uh what about the legal dimension of the fight gary if I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. Why doesn't somebody sue somebody? Where, you know? But I'm not. A, I'm not a lawyer. I don't play one on TV. My my knowledge of the law is very limited. Uh, my interaction, except for some of my very good friends that are attorneys, uh, with attorneys in courtrooms, I try to keep very limited. And so, talk to me a little bit about where those are going. Yeah. Um, so we have we have a little bit of movement um, on our first two, which one is the lawsuit against the governor and then the lawsuit against um, uh, Williamson County Schools, which really addresses um, the, the school mandates. Uh, but but all of our lawsuits at the end of the day all come back to the root of the governor's authority 
under 58-2107 because whether it's the school board or the county mayor or whoever it is that's doling out these mandates, at the end of the day, they're doing it because they feel like they have the authority that's been granted them from the governor. So that's really where all this goes back to. The state, uh, our lawsuit against the state in Davidson County has been a hard road. Of course, we knew that, and we knew that the first thing the state was going to throw at us was a motion to dismiss, um, basically challenge our issue of standing. Um, who are you, little man? You have no right to be here before the court. So we, we uh, actually had that hearing on, um, when was this? I think December 4th. And we, after that, the judge took, took that under advisement. We decided to amend our complaint to sort of strengthen our argument for standing. Um, because we amended the complaint, however, that allowed the state to then respond again, and they responded by filing another motion to dismiss. <laughs> so that hearing is actually uh, on Friday in two days. Um, so we're in court again in Davidson County on January 8th, um, still defending simply our right to be heard by the judge. Um, should we pass that test? Um, we will finally be on to the constitutional argument that we sued for in the first place back in August of last year. So it's been quite a road. Um, and on the lawsuit against the school board, uh, we're actually waiting on a decision any day now. That, that hearing was December 21st. That was a combination hearing on a motion to dismiss and a motion for summary judgment, which, which the judge heard both. So we actually could receive a ruling on the case, um, not just the motion to dismiss. And the judge said that he was hoping to get a ruling to us the Wednesday after New Year's, which would be today. Um, we have not heard anything yet. So we're, we're waiting on the, on the circuit court judge here in Williamson County uh, to issue that ruling. Uh, so we're, we're very anxious to see that. Is that an elected position or an appointed position? Elected? Hmm, that's a good question. He's a he's a circuit court judge. Um, Usually those are elected. I believe it's elected on the circuit court. I've, I've got a, a couple of friends that are in that position. And if it's Williamson County, it's probably Republican. So at least yeah. there's that to be considered. Yeah. Um, so public education in general, getting on to the rest of this, I mean, Tennessee schools, public schools are struggled. They're in Strugglesville. And if you're in an urban area, they're really in Strugglesville. Here in Chattanooga, I live in a district where I can't send my kids to school. Um, and it's awful. And even a lot of private schools have, have caught the COVID madness. And um, it, it's, a, it's difficult as a parent to know what to do uh, when your child is not at risk at all. And when you are not at risk at all and the educational world gets turned upside down. But, you know, they have, they've seen huge um, lapses in learning. I mean, we were already only reading about a third of us at grade level. And, and now we've been out of school for a year functionally or, or probably will be for a lot of folks. If you don't have good parents, I mean, they're, they're not going to follow up. They're not going to be helpful. So what do you see happening on the educational front as these bureaucrats continue to do what I think makes people feel better and in virtue signals? But meanwhile, leaves our kids more and more vulnerable uh, from an educational standpoint. Yeah, I'm, I'm very concerned about the special session coming up. Of course, um, you might know that the governor called a special session on education, which is supposed to start on January 19th, which frankly, um, I think is great. I applaud the governor for that. Um, really what that does is it puts the legislature in a position to deal with education first, beginning on January 19th. 
Um, the problem, though, is that the bills that so far um, I've been made aware of uh, address more of how to heal the corporate bureaucracy of schools and not support families who are struggling through this ordeal. It's, it's more, you, you can tell the bills are basically to appease lobbyists and teachers unions and, and school board members, not parents. And I'll give you a great example. One bill that I'm very against is, is a bill right now that essentially is a hold harmless on the budget. So where every year a school's budget is determined for the following school year by their enrollment of the current school year, right? Yeah. Well, what this hold harmless bill would do is as they're making the 21-22 year school budget, that budget would be made based on the enrollments of the of the 1920 school year, not the 2021 school year. So so during 2021, obviously you have school districts that have experienced a dramatic drop of enrollment. I think here in Williamson County, um, don't misquote me, go fact check this, but it's somewhere in the order of four to 5,000 students that we've dropped here in a county that has roughly 44,000 students. So you're yeah. somewhere around a 10% drop in enrollment. And that's not kids going virtual. That's kids who Homeschool. are now homeschooling or, or went to private school. Okay. So what this bill is saying is we're going to ignore the fact that parents pulled 5,000 children out of your school district and we're still going to pay you as if they were yeah. as if they were there yeah, the, the teachers at union never loses i mean you talk about an organization that can abysmally fail year after year to deliver for the taxpayers and the kids it's all about the kids my ass it has never been about kids <laughs> it will never be about the kids it's about the school it's about the it's about the government job factory yep, it's about building, and, building, uh, that, building that new building they're building that big that big new development yes, project th those buildings are doing a really good job of teaching kids to read and write and right. fantastic Just and we need bigger ones now so that we can be yeah. six feet apart and all that yes stuff. obviously um and so what about this and this is again governor lee I had high hopes. I usually have high hopes for business owners. I'm like, okay, they've been, they've had to deal with the corporate bureaucracy or the bureaucracy, the government, maybe, you know, hopefully they're going into office a little bit better, but something, <laughs> like wanting to change things. But this whole child well-being check, the fact that that thing made it as far as it did under Bill Lee's nose, what? an Orwellian awful thing. Number one, tell people about what it was and, and what in the, and this, this, this lady is it that, that he has appointed. I can't recall her name right now. Penny, Penny Schwinn. She's Louise. I don't think she's worth a penny as far as the way that she does her job. How did this, how did this, this person get this so far down the road and how did a Republican supposedly conservative governor think, Oh, this is a great idea. Let's we're getting it close to roll it out. Talk a little know. bit about what you've learned about that, and can we learn anything from it and hopefully use it in the um, in the months to come? Well, the fact is, it, it doesn't take, it's not a lot of digging to discover Penny Schwinn's background and where she comes from. I mean, she's Berkeley educated, came from California. She was a, a school board member out in Sacramento, got really involved in charter schools, and she got she got picked up by an organization called Chiefs for Change, which is a national organization that that places people throughout the country with the goal of uh, being more 
diverse, inclusive, and equitable uh, in our schools, if you know what all those words mean, right? It uh, means the kids can't read, write, and they won't be disciplined. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And so, so from there, Chiefs of Change put her in Baltimore for a while, and then she was in a leadership role in Texas. And then lo and behold, Bill Lee gets, uh, you know, inaugurated uh, in January of 2019. And one of his first things he does is appoint Penny Schwinn as our commissioner of education. Uh, of course, which was lobbied directly by Chiefs for Change. And, you know, I just think the guy didn't know and he didn't do his due diligence. And he's thinking, well, man, she's coming from Texas. Great fit. This this is going to be awesome. And yeah, I so, wonder if he, I, I doubt he put that much thought into it. No, I don't, um, I don't think he did. But the well-being checks essentially was going to be a, a state funded operation where Agents of the state, of the, of the Department of Education would now, since they're out of school because of COVID, would now be checking on your children uh, via a phone call or perhaps a knock on your door. And here's the kicker, not only for school-age children, but children birth to 18, which means if you have a baby at home, the Department of Education is going to come to your house and see how you're mothering. And if there's anything they can do to help you, I mean, that is insane. And as a result, conservatives went nuts, which they should. Uh, Representative Bruce Griffey uh, drafted a letter asking the General Assembly to vote on a resolution uh, issuing a vote of no confidence on Penny Schwinn and putting it to Bill Lee to fire her. Well, what did the General, General Assembly to do? No, nothing. They I know. I, I read the nothing. stories on that limp-wristed, weak... I'm like, who, who have we elected? I'm like, how does this come through? And you're like, okay, well, let's give this lady a second chance. The General Assembly did nothing, and Bill Lee defended her. Mm. And that's where we are, folks. If you're watching this and you're, I mean, the primaries seem pretty far away, but you need to pay attention uh, if you're a conservative. Uh, what can be done locally to rein in some of these out-of-control health departments, switching gears? I know a lot of this goes back to the efforts that you have here. A lot of this is you know, roll the dice. What kind of county mayor did you get? We, we do not have a conservative county mayor here in Hamilton County. We've got a gentleman that spent his entire life in government. Um, and, and he, you know, every time he sees a shadow, there's six more months of masking. Um, and so it's just, you know, that's what he's doing. He's, he's, he's a lifelong government employee. He ran as a Republican because that's how he could get elected. And, uh, he has proven to be a, a pro-tax increase, big government, bureaucracy-loving Republican, uh, what, what can you do about these health departments? So Knox County is trying to do something, and we've been involved in those county commission meetings. Um, so you've got, in, in our state, you've got health departments and you've got boards of health, uh, which actually are two different things. And they, they uh, in our statutes, there's two different sets of powers. Uh, county boards of health, are boards of health that have been created by the county themselves, by the county commission, but only in counties that, you know, um, have a certain charter. Not every county can do that. And I, and I believe that we only have two boards of health in our state, one in Knox and one in Davidson. Uh, so the county commission has the, has the power to dissolve the board of health or, or remove their policymaking authority and convert them to an, an advisory board only. So in Knox County, they, they voted on, on that ordinance last month and it passed barely uh, by a simple majority. 
That was the first reading. The, the second hurdle is that on their next meeting on January 25th, they're going to vote on the second reading. And if that passes, that would pass the ordinance and it would dissolve their board of health. Now, interestingly, what will happen is then that power will revert to the Knox County Department of Health, okay? <laughs> which, which now goes to the six autonomous departments of health that we have throughout our state. And so where Bill Lee created this Tennessee pledge that only affects 89 of 95 counties, he's reserved this extraordinary authority to the six departments of health, respectively. Um, the, the, the trick is that the complicated issue, though, the reason to still dissolve the Board of Health is because what we've discovered by statute, see, all of the tyrants didn't know how much power they actually could wield. Well, now they know. And in Title 68, the County Board of Health doesn't draw its authority from emergency powers. It draws its authority from state statute. So it's power to, de to declare a public health crisis and shut businesses down and create curfews and mask mandates and, and limit restaurant capacity. That's actually what we're realizing is when emergency powers cease, if they ever do, the County Board of Health still has the statutory authority to do those things outside of an emergency. Now that's mind blowing, but that's what state statute says. Well, so, yeah, and the poor old it, people of times of old, I mean, that it, it's because they did actually have occasionally deadly, awful pandemics and did not have a whole lot of modern medicine. It, we are not living in those times anymore, and those statutes were created for those times and those situations, and people are just abusing them. And probably had a little bit more trust in the people who actually sat on the boards of health. They were actually doctors, maybe, who actually only cared about your health. That's not the world we live in today. We live in a world where every board is full of political hacks and wannabes that just want to rule your life. I agree. And, you know, the thing, here we are taking advice from a health advisory board or a health department who has a reputation that is so awful that unless you're typically economically destitute, you would never walk into their doors. You'd never go to their office. <laughs> I mean, it's not calling the DMV for customer service advisory training. I mean, you'd never do that. You think DMV, you think the opposite. My two experiences, then I'll ask this, this last question. Uh, I caught COVID. We had a positive test. You know, I don't need the health department to call and tell me, get tests if you're feeling like you got COVID, and then don't be around people. Don't need anybody to call me. And if you've been around some folks, call them, tell them, hey, I tested positive, which is what we did. I don't need. So they call me three days after I'm outside of quarantine, which is a great way to spend state taxpayer dollars. Somebody working the phones, you're paying them by the hour to call people that are already out of quarantine. And you could look on the test date and go, this is way out of quarantine. Why am I calling this human? Who's going to do that? Who's going to look at a date and do 14 days? Nobody. And then they call me the second time for the wrong man. I can't remember his name's like Dale Watson or something. It's like Dale Watson, we've got some important health information for him. I'm like, well, I hope Dale gets a hold of you because uh, I am not him. And so those are my two experiences with our fantastic uh, Board of Health, you know, doing their job, keeping me safe. So if you're a concerned citizen listening to this program and they want to practically support Tennessee stands in the fight to, you know, restore our liberties and freedoms and to hopefully, you know, give our legislators uh, some courage to be conservative and not just Republican, uh, how would they do that? Yeah, so... 
definitely visit TennesseeStands.org. Uh, we've got some videos there uh, that are kind of teaching folks about our constitutional liberties uh, and our rights here in Tennessee. So we'd love for you to, to view those and, and share them out. Uh, hit the subscribe button. It's really important to get on our email list, as obviously as you hear from everyone else. It's kind of hard to, to get any movement on Facebook and Twitter these days with these types of messages uh, that kind of go against the grain. So um, get on our email list. We encourage you to give us your address. There's a lot of emails we're going to be sending out for our legislative action. And so we need to know where you live because we need to know who your representatives are so you can kind of help us in this fight. And of course, um, after you give to uh, Brandon and get those fancy stickers that he yeah. showed you earlier, uh, you can hit the donate button and uh, we, we definitely appreciate your support and uh, all the activity we've got going on across the state. So uh, TennesseeStands.org. So if you're watching this, go give them some money. I mean, I, I used to raise money in politics and I'm telling you, uh, you're, even if it's just 10 bucks, even if it's just $5, your neighbors will not do it. Everybody's like, somebody should do something. I'll tell you who that is. That's you. That is you. You're you go go stand in front of the bathroom mirror. You've seen the person that needs to contribute and needs to help and needs to call people. So I know you're busy. Thank you for joining us. Um, and I wish you the best as you continue to fight for a free Tennessee. Not even a freer Tennessee, just as free as it used to be. Uh, we'd <laughs> love to have that. So right. Gary, thank you for joining us today. And if you've enjoyed this program. Uh, please do go subscribe to our social media platforms, uh, get on our list, uh, click the support button. I'm Brandon Lewis, founder of Tennessee Conservative, signing off. Until next time, be free. If you like what we're doing uh, with our conservative reporting, because we do not have any conservative media outlets in Chattanooga, Tennessee, please do go to tennesseeconservativenews.com slash support, or just go to the main page, click the red support button. And when you do, you will get a handy dandy, proud Tennessee conservative bumper sticker. I'll actually throw in two for the cost of one when you give any donation whatsoever. And we'll also put in there a bonus directory of every elected official in Hamilton County, which I'm sure they love those being handed out. So if there is something coming down the pike that you don't agree with, or if there's something that you want to get behind, you can have your voice heard because that's how we keep our government responsible is that we have to be active and engaged. So please do go to TennesseeConservativeNews.com slash support.